Welcome to the Early Career Moves Podcast, the career strategy podcast for BIPOC folks in their 20s and 30s trying to figure out their next career move. I'm your host, Priscilla Weninger Bolcha, Latinx career coach, former talent recruiter, and human capital management consultant. Each Friday, I'll share an actionable tip to help you on your career change journey so that you can job search with confidence, land amazing job offers, and get on with your life. Let's get started. Hey everyone, welcome back to the Early Career Moves podcast. Today we have a special guest and topic. We have Kai Stowers on the show. Kai is an LGBTQ consultant, coach, and inclusion builder. He's also a former scientist and researcher, and we're going to get into how he pivoted away from that STEM world into what he does today with organizations. He loves to talk about DEI teaming, inclusion, leadership, mindfulness on LinkedIn, and he's based out of California. So on this episode, Kai gives us a glimpse into what it's like to be part of the trans, non-binary, or gender non-conforming community going through the job search process or just trying to move up in your career. So this episode is great for anyone that is part of that community, but also for anyone who is seeking to become a better ally to this community and develop more awareness around the obstacles that this community faces in the career change journey and be more aware and reduce biases. This episode is intended to be a resource to really everyone, whether you're part of the community, you're an ally. And I want to thank Kai for his participation on the episode. He really doesn't know me very well. We're both part of this other separate community and he volunteered to be on this podcast and share his experiences. And so I want to really thank him for for doing that, for sharing experiences that are deeply personal. But you know, the personal is political and we definitely talk about that on this episode. We get into it and I hope that you can share this with anyone who could benefit from hearing Kai's story or is part of this community and is making a career change journey. All right. Well, with that, we will head into today's episode. Hey, Kai, welcome to the show. Happy to have you here. Really happy to be here. Thanks so much for inviting me on. Yeah. So why don't you go ahead and introduce yourself, share your pronouns, share how you identify and tell us where you are right now. Yeah, so my name is Kai Stowers. My pronouns are he, him. Some of my identities include being a white, queer, trans guy, and I am based in California in the San Francisco Bay Area. Awesome. Well, thanks for being here. I'm excited to bring your perspective to our audience, talk about different issues that impact the trans community as they navigate their careers, everything from applying to jobs, interviewing, trying to belong or find a sense of belonging in the workplace to moving up. Uh, So we'll definitely tackle that. But first, I would love to hear about your own career journey. So why don't you just tell us a little bit about where you've been, maybe what are some of the career pit stops, places that you've been in your career? Yeah. So I started off my career as a chemist. And when I started my career, I was all about science. I wanted to be in the lab. I was like, why do we have to talk about this people stuff of you know leadership and culture? I'm like, I just want to do the work. And over the course of my career, working for different biotechs, big pharma, different leaders, different cultures, I began to really and deeply appreciate 
the impact that things like leadership or culture or how an organization is navigating questions of inclusion or even equity, the impact that has not just on individuals, but on the teams and the larger organization, their ability to succeed and do well, not just financially, but for their own employees and for the customers and communities that they serve. So it's been a it's been an evolution <laughs> on my viewpoints on these things. Yeah, that's a huge transition. Typically, I feel like people fall into one of those two very different categories. One is leave me alone, <laughs> just let me do my thing, my science, engineering, I want to be an individual contributor. And then there's people who love people, like they love interacting with people, they thrive uh, being people managers. And so in terms of your own strengths as a professional, what was more natural to you? And did you have to develop a lot of new strengths to move into what you do now today? Yeah, I certainly began my career with my strengths were technical in nature. And I've had to really intentionally develop, learn lessons. Some I learned the hard way. Some, you know, I was fortunate enough to have a mentor or have professional development that helped me along with that. And I think the exciting part of when I look back now and see the way I've changed and developed is I have a very personal and grounded sense that transformation is possible, not just for individuals, but for teams and organizations. Very cool. So tell us what you do today. Like I know you own your own business. So tell us about that. So I am a consultant and coach and areas I focus on are organizational effectiveness and diversity, equity, and inclusion. And these are questions of, it could be, I hired this really great team and how do we get them to all work together? Or we've had a a team together for a while, we've had some successes and we need to figure out how to scale without burning people out. Or sometimes I'll have somebody come to me and say, you know, one one of our groups at work, you know, maybe it's the trans and non-binary gender non-conforming communities. They're telling us that they're having a really hard time and the organization isn't supporting them. Can you help us figure out a path forward? And those are some of the questions I really love partnering organizations to build something new and better. Yeah, that's a pretty big jump to make from a technical career path into what kind of seems like HR to the outside world. That's a pretty big jump. So when did you first decide to make that jump? It is. And I don't think I had one day that I woke up. I can't remember like when that decision was. It grew in over time. Just for a sense of time, it was in 2015, I earned my coaching certificate. I went to grad school and graduated in 2018 with a master's in organizational psychology. Then I made the official jump from being a chemist and I was in an organization development change leadership role within HR of a new company. But even while I was still a technical leader, I began to appreciate you know, having some coaching skills, being able to lead change, being able to engage others, being able to seek out perspectives that differed from mine helped me be a better technical employee and leader. Yeah, totally. It's almost like the perfect blend is if you're able to master both skill sets, technical and the soft skills, quote unquote soft skills, which in my mind are not really soft skills. They're very, very important skills that can determine the success of a team. But yeah, I think a lot of folks reach a ceiling when they want to move forward in their career and they're highly technical, but they don't have those soft skills. Yeah. And I was recently coaching a group who are on this cusp of moving higher up into leadership. And I think one of the important shifts they made was 
oh, leadership isn't just about having all the answers and never making mistakes. It's all these other competencies. And once they could name and understand these other competencies, they could begin developing them, right? So things like, you know, I'm here to help a team navigate ambiguity, or I'm here to build relationships. So when I need to call on a peer for work to be done, like they actually want to talk to me. They actually want to do work with me. Yeah, that's super interesting. Very cool that you get to work on such interesting topics. I definitely could probably spend hours talking to you about this kind of stuff because I, I love it myself in my own career path. Um, amazing. Okay, so let's transition over to our topic for today, the trans, non-binary, gender non-conforming community, thinking about what are some of the obstacles that this community faces as they apply for jobs and are seeking to change careers. Like what comes to mind when you think about this community in general? Yeah. I first want to name that unfortunately, you know, the experience of trans people has become really politicized and there is a lot of fear about who we are, what we want in the world. And I think it's just sometimes a lack of understanding. And this is something that certainly the trans community has to navigate. I know when I hear what's being said and some of the fears, I don't recognize myself and I don't recognize my community in the dialogue that's happening on a national level. And so I think that's something we have to contend with. What are hiring managers? What have they heard? What do they know? Do they have any personal relationships with people who are trans or non-binary or gender non-conforming? So there's a lot of ways that I think our community isn't seen or understood for who we are. And for us, I think we, there's work we have to do to support ourselves because we might not be able to get that support from the larger society right now. Yeah. And there's a lot of organizations that do really great work. Trans Can Work is one that provides a lot of support and resources. Trans New York is an up and coming one that's really growing into workforce development and helping organizations become more inclusive. There's many more. So recognizing the barriers are real, they exist, and getting more clear on what we can control and what are steps that we can take, holding mm -hmm. those things together. And I see a lot of organizations get really overwhelmed because they're like, well, it's not just trans folks, but it's people of color and people with disabilities. And it becomes this long list and they get paralyzed and they don't know where to start. And I think that's part of the work is that I do is, okay, who is important to you? Who are the communities that are maybe higher up on a triage list? You know, are you an organization that's situated where you can take a really broad approach and in building inclusion, equity, diversity mm -hmm. for lots of groups? Or do you need to start with something small to build your chops and get some momentum going? Yeah. So what are some green flags versus red flags for people to watch out for as they're evaluating companies, organizations, and deciding whether or not it's a place where they might be supported? Yeah. And I look at the public face of the company, like what's on their website, what's not? Are they involved with the LGBTQ and specifically trans, gender nonconforming, non-binary communities in any way? Are there public statements from their leaders or their boards to get this information? If they are involved in community support in some way, you know, what activities are those? Do you know somebody there? That can be a really great way to get the lay of the land. Those are great tips. Thanks for sharing that. So one thing that I wanted to talk about was this concept of being your authentic self at work. I think a lot of us hear that, at, you know, a lot of organizations 
ask people to be their authentic self at work and to bring their authentic self to work. But oftentimes with this community, there's are a lot of really good reasons to not do that and to mask themselves in the workplace. So yeah, what are your thoughts on that? I, I'm personally always a little skeptical of that messaging that we often hear from, from different companies. Yeah. And I think this is a really good call out. Most organizations have good intentions. They really do mean it when they say, bring your authentic self to work, but they might not have the tools to make it okay for everyone to bring their authentic self to work. The companies that are doing better are the ones who are like, yeah, we actually do have a gap here and we're working on it. So the ones that can speak to that saying, yeah, you know, here's our strengths and we know we've got more work to do. That's a good sign that indicates some openness. I would love to tell everyone that, yes, you can be your authentic self at work. It's so important for productivity, for well-being, for your engagement, for your mental health, if you can be who you are. And the reality is there's just a lot of places that aren't ready for that yet. And so I think it's important for the job seeker to think about, you know, what do I need at a baseline level? You know, not hopefully not to just survive this job, but to thrive at it. And some people are going to say, yeah, I can do a certain amount of masking and the benefits I'm getting from this job are enough. There might be others to say, you know, this masking is exhausting, but Mm -hmm. I need to survive. And this, this job is putting money on the table. And I think it's important for people to make that call for themselves. Such a great point. Yeah, I think when I think about the word survival, it can mean so many different things in different chapters and seasons of your life. For some people, survival might mean financial, you know, being able to cover your expenses and take care of yourself financially or take care of others. And for others, it might be more of an emotional mental health need. So it totally depends. It's like a really, really important point. Yeah. And this has changed for me. Earlier on in my career, I'm like, I'm, I don't know that I was fine leaving a lot of myself at the door, but I just accepted that as the cost to entry. And part of the reason I started my own business is like, I am exhausted. I am tired of doing this. Not everybody's going to be comfortable working with me. And if I'm in business for myself, I can find the people who, you know, are happy to work with me, recognize my competencies, my skill sets, let me show up as who I am. And that is, that's been so exciting and healing. Yeah. Actually, I was going to ask you if part of you deciding to go full time on your own was partly fueled by wanting to be let go from, you know, some of the limitations in corporate America. What made you finally say, okay, now is the time to start my own business and do my own thing? I think there was a mismatch of my values and the company I was working in. The company I was working in was, you know, valued like security and stability. And there are people who there who have a really good experience. But I was like, look at everything we're doing. And there's so many opportunities. And it was hard for me to sell that. And there were some small groups with were more innovative. And we did really great, incredible, exciting work together. I was like, you know, I want to do this is the work I want to do. This, you know, trying to sell something to someone who's just not interested in doing the work, it's a waste of both of our times, frankly. (laughs) Yeah, that's really cool. So what are some of the projects that you work on today and what excites you the most about them? Some of the work I do is there's like a team building and leadership development aspect to it. And because I'm a former scientist, I like having data. So there's a couple of assessments that I like using. One is the Hogan And that really helps people understand very concretely and specifically, what are your strengths? How do you derail under stress? Like all of us have different failure modes. If you know what it is, you can do something about it. And then what are our values? 
And then leading, you know, additional team development, team coaching, and then conversations around, because sometimes you'll look at a team and like, wow, you have all of these strengths and here's a gap that this team doesn't have. What are we going to do about that? Do we hire for it? Do we outsource it in some way? And I think that sometimes helps teams understand better what they're struggling with and why, and then you can plan a way forward. How do you think that people can be better allies to the trans community, especially in the workplace? Yeah, I think the first one is just noticing, you know, are you operating out of a fear mindset? And it's completely understandable why someone might be afraid of who trans folks are, given what they may have heard in the media. You know, can you begin to see us as individuals who have complex lives, relationships, families, friends? You know, we have goals in the workplace. We have goals in our personal lives. You know, begin beginning to find some commonalities with us, if, especially if you're feeling like afraid or polarized. Looking for commonalities is a good first step. And then a next step, you know, if you're like, yeah, I absolutely see common humanity with trans folks. The next step is getting quite curious about differences is what do we need? There's And there's a lot of great people who do work and communication and advocacy in this area. I think jobs is a critical interface for us. Healthcare is a critical interface. And depending on different communities, there's other places to What would you say to someone who was in your shoes 20 years ago trying to figure out their career? What would you say to them? You know, I'm always someone who followed what I was interested in and what I was passionate about. Because if I'm in an environment where I don't, I'm not interested or passionate about the work, I'm not going to be able to fully engage. I'm not going to commit. You know, I'll put in the hours, but I'm not going to be able to bring my best self and I'm not going to be having fun. You know, and people have different motivations. People have different values. So thinking about what your values are, what your motivations are. I mean, do you want to retire at 50? Are you someone who loves working and want to do it until the last possible, you know, moment of your life? You know, these, I think these are questions that help us when the going gets rough. Because when we think about a career isn't one year, it's not two years. For most of us, it's many decades. And so if you're doing something that you're invested in and you care about, I think it's easier to get through times that are tough or challenging. Yeah. And like we talked about, you know, priorities can shift over your career. So um, that that's definitely something that it sounds like was part of your story as well. So my very last question for you, I, you know, a lot of my audience tends to be folks from historically excluded backgrounds who a lot of the times, you know, put a lot of pressure on themselves to figure out you know, their career, what would your last words of advice be to this group? I think my last word to be would be to recognize your strengths, especially when we're part of a historically marginalized community. We often think of our strengths as deficits because they don't fit dominant culture norms. And so whatever it is, even if it's not appreciated in the larger society, having confidence and belief in yourself Maybe you can't show up 100% all the time, but you can come you can come there from a sense of strength rather than a sense of deficit. Thank you so much for listening today. Make sure you head over to ecmpodcast.com slash free course and sign up for my free job search training course. I teach you the three things that you need to know before you go into a job search process. My goal is to help you change careers with confidence and ease so you can move on with your life. I'll see you next week.